you always see more of what you believe to be true. Mm. You always see more of what you believe to be true. So if you believe, trust me, I've done this. I've done this for 37 years now. <clears throat> and if I ever in the past would go into fear or scarcity, I'd have less clients. My phone would ring less. When I began to wake up and go, oh my God, this is about me programming me. Is this what I want? And I would start a turnaround. Like I'd flip the switch and I'd be like declaring it. I'd be calling it forward. I'd get up out of meditation. I would say, bring to me whatever this force is, bring to me the right coaching clients, the right business opportunities, the right organizations to work in, bring it to me so I can fulfill my spiritual and I can fulfill my financial destiny. Bring it to me. And before I know it, in a, in a week or so, business starts to roll in. Welcome to the Add Value to Entrepreneurs podcast, the place where we help entrepreneurs to not hate their boss. Our mission is to end entrepreneurial unhappiness. If you dream of changing the world, but you're not sure where to start, the Add Value to Entrepreneurs podcast will help you transform your life and business. This podcast is for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life that they desire. You deserve it, and it is possible. My name is Robert Peterson, former passer turned CEO and the smiling coach. I believe that success without happiness is failing, but there is hope. Join us each week as we bring you an inspiring leader or message to help you. Thanks for investing time with us today. Today's guest is known as the People Mechanic and is an internationally acclaimed expert in the science of human excellence with over 35 years experience in designing and integrating the most influential models of psychology-based systems of success in leadership, human behavior, relationships, communications, and team dynamics. Gary D. Rodriguez is the CEO of Peopleistic, associate professor at the Business Education Institute, master trainer in humanistic neurolinguistic psychology, a licensed executive coach, and published author on the topic of humanistic business. Gary De Rodriguez and Robert share about how entrepreneurship is the biggest lesson in personal growth. Gary really understands the mind and how tapping into your beliefs helps you to see more of what you believe is true. Gary's wisdom will help you to understand your mind and use its full power for your success. If you're an entrepreneur who started their business with a purpose and a passion that has been lost in the busyness of the daily grind, we get it. That is why we've opened up our free strategy calls. A lot of entrepreneurs, probably including you, just want a sense of clarity on the barriers holding them back that you need to overcome in order to accelerate your growth and achieve your dreams. These short 30-minute calls give you a chance to work with one of our coaches without any commitment or pressure. Scheduling is easy. Just go to smilingcall.com. Let's jump on a call and get you the help and clarity you need. Select a time and let's build your business. It's time for you to add value. Well, Gary, thank you so much for joining us today. We're excited to, to have this conversation and just looking forward to the wisdom that you'll be able to share. Well, I'm really looking forward to it too, Robert. So I'm happy we got introduced and we're going to be able to, um, you know, provide some good content and some good information for people. Yeah, I definitely want to thank Jason for for introducing us and making mm -hmm. that connection. I know that that you and Jason have a show together um, called Concentric. So maybe we'll yeah. start there. Tell us a little bit about your show with Jason and, and what your focus is. Well, it, it was interesting because I, I, I've been a friend of Jason's for quite a while. I've done a lot of podcasts with him and been on his shows. And uh, I... <laughs> I sent him, I, it was during COVID, right? So I sent him this whole series of recordings that I was doing uh, during COVID late at night, you know, in my office, I thought I gotta be productive, you know? So I made up, um, I, I, I filmed this entire series of, um, of small trainings on creating incredible relationships, not only for business, but for one-on-one, -on -one, you know, personal relationships as well. You know, as an entrepreneur for the last, you know, 37 years, what I've realized is that all my success has literally come from the ability to create empowered relationships. All my business has come from that. I have like, I see 35 clients a week in my coaching practice. 
you know, I have corporate trainings that I do. I have online programs that I do and I don't advertise. So um, this, it's all come from word of mouth. It's all come from, of course, being effective as a coach and getting the results that people just refer and constantly refer. I have a waiting list of people waiting to get in so that, you know, I have a space in my calendar to actually fit them in. But one of the things that, that I know is that when Jason and I first started, I sent him all these recordings on creating incredible relationships. And I said, hey, dude, like, just tell me whether you think, you know, it's any good, whether you think it's worthy, you know, you think it's, you know, you think it could work as an online program. And he goes, he writes me back, goes, oh my God, this has to get out there. I want to be involved. Let's start a podcast show together. Let's make this happen. And I'm like, all righty then. I guess some of the things that came out of my mouth must have been all right. So nice. uh, I trust Jason's opinion like crazy. So I we we launched that. And um, the show Concentric, of course, is, is a, we have a lot of different topics, a lot on, on business, a lot on creating teams, a lot on your own personal self-leadership. And that's how we've centered it. Nice. It's really for entrepreneurs as well. Absolutely. So let's dig into that 30 plus years of, of entrepreneurship for yourself and, and just share a little bit about how you jumped into entrepreneurship and of course, you know, what, maybe what's been the most challenging thing over those 35 years. Uh, <laughs> let's start there with the most challenging thing. Cause I think being an entrepreneur is the fast track uh, or is the best seminar in town for your personal development, because you have to face yourself. You have to face your limiting beliefs your limiting beliefs are created by key significant experiences that if left emotionally unresolved will completely sabotage you and your ability to create relationships that actually are sustainable. Hmm. Have you ever met someone, Robert, and they're more reactive than proactive? Oh, many times. Many times. Or someone who has all this negativity that spews from their mouth and they're not even aware that they're doing it. And that I just I just finished a book, um, and the book is all about the uh, the impact of compounded trauma through the years of our lives that ends up developing this filter that we see our world through, and from key significant events we create constellations of beliefs. Those beliefs act as filters that will literally eliminate from our perspective contrary information to the beliefs it almost acts like a facebook algorithm we have a little organ in the back of our skulls called a reticular activating system that literally just sorts for what you believe and eliminates your contrary beliefs so that we if we do not challenge these limiting beliefs and these compounded negative experiences happen to this and make it emotionally neutral which what my book is all about I developed this whole trauma resolution technique and then a system for resolving limiting beliefs. But if we don't do that, we continue to look out of a place of limitation instead of a plate glass window that's like floor to ceiling. We're looking out of a bathroom window like that because we're not seeing the other possibilities. That for me was the most important thing as an entrepreneur because I realized that all of our behaviors are driven by emotions. And if we have too much fear or we can't see the unlimited possibilities in front of us, we won't take the steps. We'll keep ourselves stymied and keep ourselves stuck. That right there is the most important thing for art entrepreneurs to learn and to resolve. If they can resolve that, then they can take all the great strategies and move forward with the full life force of their life to create and manifest what they want to manifest. But in most entrepreneurial trainings, this stuff that I'm speaking about is never even discussed because most people don't know how to dive that deep. They don't go there because they don't know how to go there and help their listening audience resolve the historical issues that haunt them on a conscious and an unconscious level. Hmm. Oh, well, you and I are in, in so much alignment. <laughs> the, I knew uh, we would be. <laughs> yeah. 
So, so my book's called The Entrepreneurial Mindset Shift. The very first chapter is talking about the mind and the reticular activating system and, and how it focuses on, on what you believe and what you think and the stories you tell yourself. And that's all you will see, right? Like the conversation about a, a red Jeep and you think about a red Jeep and all of a sudden you drive to work and there's 42 red Jeeps on the way because your brain was activated to look and notice the red Jeeps. But the thing people don't challenge is their beliefs. And I think because of my faith background, I have a unique, a little unique perspective because so many people are focused on, you know, whether they believe in God or not, whether they believe in Santa or not. And, and, and it's these objects that we believe in rather than these things we believe about ourselves that nobody talks about. And and so I love, I love the, the, that that's where where your starting point is as well. Absolutely. And I'm so glad we're both doing similar work out there because this is the work that has to get infused into the entrepreneurial community. The the thing that fascinated me the most is I kept on going, yes, it, it is about the beliefs. And then I thought, okay, well then where do beliefs generate from? How do we develop those beliefs? And that's where I got to the 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 very foundation of where beliefs start is the key significant experiences and the emotions still attached to them. Uh, yeah, so good. And I, and, I, I, and I think people are surprised, right? Because if you think about religious beliefs in this time you spend studying and the time you spend learning and you spend all that time in, in Sunday school and church and all these things, and you think beliefs are, are built up over, over these times and it's really these individual events. Like, like a statement your parents make about money or a statement a teacher makes about how dumb you are. Or, and, and these, those events that you're mentioning are really the characteristics. And most people don't even recognize on the surface, right? If you and I had a conversation, they would not recognize that that statement made by their teacher or that statement made by their parents is what's holding them back until we can really help them and dig into those stories and, and change the way that story the things they're telling themselves about that story. Here is the most challenging thing for entrepreneurs around this conversation. First of all, they have to learn the tools to open up the owner's manual for their mind. They, oh. they have to do this. So, you know, I started training. I launched my career in the AIDS crisis because no one was doing anything to help that particular community. Hmm. So I launched my, my entire business in that crisis, trying to find something that would help. And in those days, you were diagnosed, you were a skeleton in three months. There was nothing you could do. And so I went on this quest to find accelerated change techniques that would help that community be able to get to resolution with their lives in a very short period of time. And I I went and studied hypnosis because, of course, 90% of us is at the subconscious level. So I thought it's logical I should learn how to work with the subconscious mind. That introduced me into neurolinguistic programming, uh, NLP, and then that evolved into into HNLP, which is humanistic neurolinguistic psychology. So I became a master trainer of HNLP, and that is sort of the the granddaddy of the science of human excellence, uh, and it carries a certain spiritual and not religious but spiritual um, evolution to it. Because what we were noticing as NLP trainers is that many of the systems in that particular practice did not work in the trenches with multiple issues that clients were being to the table. And what I found was, if you look at Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of human needs, right before Abraham Maslow died, he added spirituality to the very top human need, which is exactly what Gregory Bateson did who was also this brilliant, brilliant mind. He was the partner of uh, Margaret Mead, the great anthropologist. And he said that you have to make, if you make a a change at the highest logical level, which is spirituality in his his logical levels of human existence, he said, when you make a, a change there, everything else, like your behaviors, your identity, your capabilities, your environments, all change by that one change at the top. Now, this is not religiosity. This is about your place as you see yourself in the greater universe. What is your purpose? What have you come here to do? What are you contributing to? You can frame it in any way, shape, or form you want. So that includes all spiritual paths, 
all religious paths, even if it is the wind blowing through the trees, it is about who you are in the greater context of life. So when we claim that and make a change there, everything else changes. So that's why HNLP became so powerful in its technology because it had all the foundations of NLP on how the brain works and how the nervous system works, how we make meaning and how we create our reality. But it also added in several other factors with brand new processes like this memory resolution technique that I developed. Um, that is that other process that really decodes your nervous system in anywhere. I know this sounds ridiculous, but it's true. Anywhere from five minutes to 20 minutes from any trauma. And I've worked extensively in the veteran community. I've worked extensively with people who have gone through incest and gone through rape and gone through all kinds of trials and tribulations in their life. And we can get those memories neutral in no more than 20 minutes. And when that person becomes free from that burden and that haunting that they carry, because all memories are, is just a series of pictures, sounds, and feelings. And I, I don't want to go into how this process works because it's a little complicated, but it's based in biology, it's based in science, and it works like a hot knife through butter. And so, and people can learn this because I'm going to, the reason I'm publishing the book is I figure like, you know, I got some miles on me now and another 10, 15 years, I'm not going to want to do this. I have to get people trained up in this. I have to write the book. I have to get the information out there. I have to set up a, a whole series of certifications so I can duplicate what I'm doing and more and more people can do this because, I mean, just think, if you had a teenage kid, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, how much trauma are they experiencing? Compounding trauma on a daily basis, every day on social media, every day going to school. I've got teenage clients that go to school with a metal plate in their backpack. So if, if there's an active shooter, they at least have something to protect their vital organs. Hmm. I mean, it's ridiculous what the kids are experiencing right now. So absolutely parents well, could have that particular technique to help their kids resolve the trauma that they're experiencing. I mean, I view it as a fundamental empowered parent technique to help them really help their kids. Yeah, so so powerful. I'm I'm a huge advocate for obviously for therapy, for, for people that have experienced the traumas like you're, you're speaking of. But the, the truth of it is the mind is holding on to the images, the sounds and the feelings, and those can be changed. You can change the story and we shift from victim to, to not victim, right? To, to changing that so that it's neutral. It's not impacting you in a negative way. And I think our culture, and of course, I think social media and, and other things are amplifiers of this negativity that are, our culture just loves the drama. And so people that get caught in this trauma drama can, can create these cycles of, of drama rather than freeing themselves and seeing themselves in, in a different light and changing the story they tell themselves. That's so powerful, you know, Gary. Some, the, the subconscious mind is such a beautiful part of ourselves. And so very few people utilize it in a way that, that they sit in the driver's seat. The conscious mind programs the subconscious mind and it programs the subconscious mind by whatever it is that it constantly focuses upon. Mm. So what the conscious mind focuses upon only makes a stronger imprint on the subconscious mind. If you were to look at the, um, the Hawaiian, um, the indigenous Hawaiian um, belief system, I'll just call it Huna for lack of a better name. But they have this science of the three selves. Very incredible, very simple, very, very powerful. And they have three circles. One called the Kane, which represents the soul. One called the Unilipili, which represents the subconscious mind. And one called the Uhane, which represents the conscious mind. And they show an arrow that goes from the Uhane, the conscious mind, to the subconscious mind. And the subconscious mind is imprinted by the conscious mind. And then there's another arrow that goes from the unilipili or the subconscious mind to the cane, which simply means that the subconscious mind, based upon what it is constantly being imprinted by the conscious mind of, 
then communicates that to the soul. And that's what binds and creates the attachment of our soul. Buddha said it best when Buddha said, you go where your attachments are. Whatever we focus upon becomes what the subconscious mind believes is our deepest attachment. And that imprints and binds us as to what we think is so important. It binds the soul. So what we have to begin to start doing, the reason our minds are so obsessed, are so obsessed with the narrative is because we don't have emotional resolution. So one of the prime directives of the subconscious mind is to bring up for resolution that which we do not have emotionally resolved. This is why people repeat the narrative and repeat the narrative thinking that if they think about it more, they talk about it more, it'll somehow bring relief. But it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't resolve the beliefs. It doesn't resolve the suppressed emotions inside the body. And just to speak about the body for a moment, trauma is absolutely known to be the birthplace of cancers, lung disease, diabetes, The list goes on and on and on and on on what unresolved trauma does to the physical body and to the cascade of diseases that it contributes to. And it doesn't have to just be like traumas because you were talking about some pretty severe traumas, but I think stress and anxiety are are traumas that that the majority of Americans right now are, are living in and experiencing, which of course keeps the brain fighting in fight and flight mode instead of allowing the brain to experience relational mode where, where it dumps the good happy chemicals and, and things that are designed to make our body operate at at a different level. I, I really love, I mean, obviously in our space, in the entrepreneurial space, I think entrepreneurs, especially starting out entrepreneurs can get so stuck in focusing on what they don't have and what they don't want instead of being able to, to, to reprogram and focus on what they do want and, and what they're trying to create. And, and this is, this is the same, this is the same parts of the brain that deal with trauma as, as to reprogramming your subconscious to, you called it that big pane of glass, that unlimited possibility, right? Our unlimited potential, which I think is where we tap into spirituality. We tap into creation. We tap into the, the human mastermind of, of all the minds around us. And, and that's really hard for people to, to grasp how letting go of that poverty mindset and focusing on something that they can't see and touch yet is really the, the power to free them for that unlimited possibility. Well, this is where the problem is. The problem is that you always see more of what you believe to be true. Mm. You always see more of what you believe to be true. So if you believe Trust me, I've done this. I've done this for 37 years now. And if I ever in the past would go into fear or scarcity, I'd have less clients. My phone would ring less. When I began to wake up and go, oh my God, this is about me programming me. Is this what I want? And I would start a turnaround. Like I'd flip the switch and I'd be like declaring it. I'd be calling it forward. I'd get up out of meditation. I would say, bring to me whatever this force is. Bring to me the right coaching clients, the right business opportunities, the right organizations to work in. Bring it to me so I can fulfill my spiritual and I can fulfill my financial destiny. Bring it to me. And before I know it, in a a week or so, business starts to roll in. If I go into fear, it kills the opportunity to create wealth. And this is what every entrepreneur needs to know. It doesn't happen to you. It literally happens from you. It happens from your thinking just because you can't see it. All you're seeing is the accumulation of all your past thoughts and emotional states projected on the infinite screen of possibility of your mind and the creation around you. You have to set into motion a whole new focus. And the biology around this is that when you go into the emotion of possibilities, you start creating neurosynaptic connections which form neurological highways. And our thoughts are electrical charges that flow down the path of least resistance. 
So the more we habitually think towards where we're going rather than about where we've been, thinking of the possibility, outcoming it, creating it, dwelling on it, going to sleep at night in the emotional state of it already fulfilled, we start building super highways of positive neurological connections and start forming a habit. We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by Perfect Publishing, a different approach to publishing a book. Perfect Publishing carefully chooses heroes of hope who exemplify living a life they created through faith, hope, patience, and persistence. No matter what page you open to in this mini cube of hope, you will find a leader with a big heart. You will see you are not alone. The authors may share similar challenges that only hope and action could resolve. Get your free ebook at getadoseofhope.com. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. So powerful. I have a compulsion to quote from the Dhammapatha. Can I give you a quote? Absolutely. Okay. So from the Dhammapatha, from the teachings of Buddha. <clears throat> and I'm not Buddhist, but, but Buddha just said some fabulous things. And this was written 3,000 years ago. And Buddha said, the thought manifests as the word. The word, because it, the thought and the word create emotions, the thought manifests as the word, the word manifests as the deed. The deed turns into habit. The habit hardens into character. Mm. Watch your ways and your thoughts with care and let it spring for concern for all living things. Because as the shadow follows the body, as you think, and as you speak, so you will become. So powerful. Because now, now we take the mind and, and, and it impacts relationships. And, and the value of relationships is, is really the highest value in business, in creating impact, in, in having influence in the world. Um, it's relationships are necessary. So, so now let's talk about the mind in, in relationship. That's, that's a great segue. So the bottom line is, is that you have an energetic field issuing off your body, proven by Heart Math Institute, 15 feet felt and experienced 15 feet from your body that people feel in your presence. They've recently proven that in a five foot radius, the thoughts you think, the emotional state you're living in, which creates that field, affects the neurosynaptic firing in another person's brain in a distance of five feet from you. So if we think that it's going to be this facade that we're carrying forward into our business meetings and our networking meetings, and aren't we just playing, playing the game well, we are fools <laughs> because people are not stupid. They feel who you are and who you are is exactly what Buddha said. Your thoughts turn into words, your words turn into deeds, your deeds turn into habit, habit hardens into character and people feel your character in your presence. So you cannot hide it. So if we're wondering how do we attract the right people that want to do business with us, we better look inside. We better do the work inside mm. to up-level ourselves in a way that's going to actually produce this amazing possibility for ourselves. And if we don't, we're missing the entire mark. We're playing with a cellophane-thin representation of ourselves rather than playing with a full depth of who we are and bringing that to the party of our networking events and our pitches and our business opportunities. We have to evolve and up-level ourselves. It's so That's powerful. I, I work with clients on a regular basis and they're like, well, my broken relationship with my father has no impact on my business. And just oh the fact that I know about it <laughs> means that it's impacting your business and the decisions you're making. And but even further than that, that, you're talking about it, it impacts it impacts the conversations that people are having face-to-face -face and, and the networking that they're doing because their brain is emitting that negativity of a broken relationship to the, to the people that you're interacting with. 
for a person to command that to language, they're thinking it most of the time because they're thinking it, thinking and thinking it. And about 3% of the time, a word will come out based upon what they're thinking about. So you can always in your relationships tell where a person is thought possessed by what they speak about most. Now, let's just go to the, your original question. How does it all relate? Is that we bring forward, of course, the full character of ourselves into our business relationships. We have to know that our relationships are one of the most important, most important vehicles to success that we have. We have to learn how to influence, most importantly, coupled with our relationship dynamics and our education on relationships, we have to increase our people intelligence so that we learn how to understand people's, first of all, the differences, the kaleidoscope of differences, the communication preferences in those differences, because only 7% of the meaning of our communication is actually our words. 38% is the tone of our voice. 55% is our physiology. So if we don't know how to utilize our physiology and our tone of voice to be congruent with the words we're speaking, we will be miscommunicating. And there's a whole series of processes. I, I trained this whole uh, certification on, uh, on influencing strategies from the front of the room. For, for giving a pitch or being able to be interviewed by a corporate client or giving a converse or giving a, a lecture or a talk or a presentation to an audience, you have to know how to utilize your body like an instrument of influence. You have to learn how to modulate your voice tonality so you capture the visual preferences, the kinesthetic preferences, the auditory preferences in the room. There's so many aspects of learning how to influence at the subconscious level that once you start broadening up your education around this information, not only does it change you from the inside out, but it gives you the ability to increase your power to influence ethically other folks. And that's where we begin to start coming into the place where we need to lead a value-driven life. And in that value experience of what you are demonstrating through your actions, what you deeply care about, you become stronger and stronger and more congruent. And that gives you even a greater sense of the ability to influence. Oh, so obviously you, you, you've talked a lot about NLP and, and the powers of words and, and you mentioned ethically influence so let's 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 go down that that path because obviously in our space now we have we have plenty of charlatans that that are claiming you know claiming to be able to offer something charging people a lot of money and then and then not delivering because because they don't really have the character that that matches right they're not in congruence they're 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 uh, out of harmony with what they're marketing. Now they're really good marketers because of NLP and because of other things. And so they're selling things, but they're not able to deliver. And yes. For, for a long time, I wouldn't call myself an NLP trainer just because the science had been so corrupted <sighs> by unethical utilization of it. NLP is like a scalpel. In the hands of a skilled surgeon with compassion, it creates miracles. In the hands of a psychopath narcissist, it creates infinite damage. So we have to look at, this is why HNLP was created, because we wanted to distinguish ourselves away from the nonsense of how people were misusing it and begin to start bringing around this, this statement of, this is about becoming a powerful force for good. Because if you can help people open up the owner's manual for their minds and help them evolve to the level of who they are, who they've come here to be, I always view people like a glass of milk, whole milk, not homogenized. Um, <laughs> let me let me clarify. Inherent in milk is cream, but what our mind does and what our misaligned actions do is they keep the mind constantly stirring in the guilt and shame of knowing they're betraying their core purpose. And when 
you become in alignment and you take the spoon out of the milk and let your milk become still by your alignment and your congruency, cream naturally rises to the surface. The love, we don't need to be trained how to love. We are love incarnate. Anything unlike it is our attempt to adapt to the appearance of betrayal and wrongdoing to us in the world by the appearance of us being separated from a divine source. Mm. We have fear then. So what we require to do, first of all, still the milk, do the inner work, open up the owner's manual for your mind. Your heart naturally begins to open and the love we are begins to come forward. Then the purpose-driven life we all desire to live becomes this incredible ability to wake ourselves up and be this powerful force for good. Personally, at this stage in my life, that is what I'm living for. I'm not living for anything else. You know, I've had enough fancy homes. I've traveled enough places. I've had enough cars. I've had enough sex. I've eaten enough food. It's like this is what I'm here to do now. For the next 15 to 20 years of my life, this is what I do. I require, and I'm very passionate about getting as many people trained up in this as possible because, quite frankly, the world is calling us forward. If we don't wake up and start moving towards that place of self-actualization, I don't know what this is going to look like in another 30 years, another 20 years, perhaps even another 10 years. I have no idea, but it doesn't make me feel at peace to think of the trajectory that we're going. And this is worldwide. This is just not in the United States. Although you know, oh, absolutely. It's quite scary. But, you know, it's just going in a absolutely nosedive. And I, I love this quote by Margaret Mead when she said, what makes you think that a small group of committed people cannot change the world? For in fact, it is the only thing that ever has. Mm. I used so to have big steel letters in my training room. And I, I that was years ago, but I completely believe that this is what we're here to do. And I know this, I may go a little bit out there and get all hippie on you, but um, I know that we've incarnated each one of us at this point in time and this point in history. And it's not by happenstance. We're here to do something. We're here to contribute either to the chaos or to the resolution. So, my hope is that more people contribute to the resolution than the chaos, which means we got to wake up. And, and, and wake up in a way that, that that's healthy, not just in changing terms and, and, and redefining, yeah. redefining history. Not holding up a cellophane <laughs> wrapper of an image of ourselves. We want to pretend to be us from the depth of our soul out. Yes. Amen. That, I, you and I, I love so obviously love is the highest vibration. Love is the, the highest vibrational frequency. Unconditional love is, you know, Christ likeness. It's where it's where we should long to be. Right? That's the ultimate self-actualization. When, when you can love without judgment, you can love without expectation and, and helping people see the value of love in connection to business is, is so powerful. And, well, and it's all an internal game, just like forgiveness. We talked about forgiveness is really an internal game. It has nothing to do with that other person, that other party. And I think our culture has created this idea of forgiveness requires these two people. Forgiveness is a you and you deal. And when people start to learn that and the power they have to get themselves out of shame and fear and, and guilt by letting go of some of those things is, is so powerful to that awakening you're talking about. Absolutely. And, and what I want to share is that sometimes love is too big of a leap. So <laughs> yes. there's steps to love. Sometimes it's just about being of service to your clients, of really providing the end user with a tremendous service and with a tremendous caring in your heart for that client. They will feel that. I mean, I've had corporate clients say to me, thank you so much for becoming so committed to our organizational change that you show up 
100% on board for us every day that you're here. And we're so grateful for you. You're not, you just don't blow in and blow out and collect your money. And I'm like, no, I am. When I take on, cause I only take on three corporate clients at a time. When I take on a corporate client, I become deeply involved in the dynamics of it to try to understand the relational issues so that if the relationship, the relational issues can heal, especially on the executive team, which they can, um, then what happens is the whole company begins to shift and evolve. It's always the toxicity of the relational issues within organizations that creates problems in the financing, problems in the execution of projects, problems in the ability to innovate solutions out of historical issues. It's always a conflicting personalities that stop that growth and that movement. So until that gets handled, everything else gets stymied. So I go in to understand the relationships and create movement there. And then the trainings get overlaid onto that. Well, and, and it goes, it goes back to our, our minds and character development doesn't happen in a vacuum. Nope. Character development happens in community and, and corporate community is where most people are getting their character because that's where they spend the majority of their time. And I think true corporate responsibility is starting to recognize their role in, in character development and in helping develop their people to be people of purpose. Well, you know, uh, my partner and I published uh, a book. We were published by Bloomsbury Publishing House um, <clears throat> on installing the strategies of conscious capitalism into organizations. And it's called Humanistic Business Profit Through People with Passion and Purpose. And one of the chapters that I wrote in there was all about that <clears throat> our relationships are really the mirrors in which we see the, our deepest subconscious patterns. Now, this presupposes that the organization, or at least the leadership, has been taught extreme ownership and accountability, mm. that they are on a path of Kaizen, they are welcoming any feedback so that they can improve their own self-leadership, therefore leadership. And this is about installing that as a cultural norm, as an absolute criteria for someone to belong to a leadership team. They have to be willing to evolve themselves. And if they're not, they're not on the team. And then once we have that established, then the art of being able to get feedback like through 360s, but not 360s as they're normally rolled out, 360s from the intention of helping each person on that team evolve and each recipient of the 360 to go, I feel like I'm in a bath of love right now because I am getting feedback that helps me evolve myself by team members that are positively intended for my evolution. Oh, that and that eliminates, a, that eliminates that, narcissists too. All that. That's why the leadership teams have to be trained so significantly well in how to own themselves, how to embrace their own personal evolution, and not just in word. Because if they're trudging along with all kinds of garbage in the back, are they're going home and blaming their wife or their husband for X, Y, and Z, not taking ownership of how they co-created that with their partner. If they're congruent in the office and completely incongruent at home, that's not the leadership we're talking about. <laughs> we're talking about alignment. We're talking about consistency. We're talking about a full commitment to your own individual path to be the brightest shining light in the room that you can be. And when you have that, you lead. When you don't, you don't. Love that. Uh, you you used extreme ownership and accountability. Um, the second chapter in my book, I told you the first chapter was about the mind. The, the second chapter is own your shit. <laughs> so, it, and it's exactly that. It's take 100% responsibility for everything that happens in your life. You are no longer allowed to blame anybody else for anything. <laughs> Well, including yeah. the car accident that you get in on the way to work. Yeah, you have to look at, at you know, the creation triangle and the drama triangle. <laughs> you know, the drama triangle always is like, I'm going to be a victim. In order for me to vic be a victim, someone outside of me has to be the villain. And then I get to blame the villain for why I feel or do what I do. 
Then I need to search for a hero to save me from the villain. And then the hero gets to escape looking at their own selves by trying to rescue you. And then you just stay completely disempowered. And eventually you turn the villain, uh, you turn the hero into the villain because of course the hero can never save you. So they disappointed you again. And so you just continue to twirl around in this place of victimhood. And there's no way out of that other than you take extreme ownership. You take your own coaching. You take your own mentorship. You get the coaching you need and you evolve to the place where you can take extreme ownership. Unless we do that, unless we upskill our teams in the fundamental education of self-leadership, nothing changes. And you'll have an HR partner or department that will be dysfunctional at best, that will try to manage all the drama triangles that are going to be evolving in the ranks and files of your organization. You'll have managers that will be poorly trained and then be having to handle people who turn them into villains. And before you know it, you have this whole toxic mess of departments trying to push out a product or a service. The biggest thing that happens is that the end user is the last person to get the experience of the toxicity, especially in call centers, Robert. Oh, oh my God. Yes. And then... And then the call center folks are like generally the most underpaid. They have to put up with the most garbage and they have to be the brand ambassadors for the beauty and great culture of the company. And when, when their supervisors are the head of their departments are not functional, how often do you think they can actually answer the phone congruently and be a brand ambassador for the culture that you want your end user to experience? Ain't gonna happen. Well, and that's why so many companies have gone to automated and and is because to eliminate the drama, but it, it doesn't solve the end user's problem. It, it's not no. helping your customer it, journey. No, it makes your end user even crazier because they can't speak to a live person and they start to hate on you more. So that's not a solution at all. The solution no, still goes back to the interaction and the lack of education within the ranks and files of organization that actually makes a difference. And so this is why I, you know, I get up on a podium or on a stage and I'm like, people, you're building a business. You're forgetting the fundamental element. It's like you put the bones and the flesh on, but you forgot about the cells and the internal organs of it all. You know, the soul. You, every 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 business is a people business. And yeah. no matter what widget you sell. Yeah, I know. So when you're building for entrepreneurs, when you're building your companies, you have to remember that there is this intrinsic education that needs to happen. And if it doesn't, there's going to be a problem. Oh, so good. All right, Gary, you kind of mentioned the big dream, but I want you to, 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 to define it for us. What's, what's the big dream for, for creating this and making it happen? Are you talking about my big dream? Yep. Oh, well, that's easy. Um, <clears throat> I've decided I'm, I'm completely revolutionizing my, uh, my company this year. Uh, I think two, 2023 is a year of, of literally upskilling and up-leveling for all of us. So I saw so many one-on-one -on -one coaching clients last year that I had smoke coming out of my ears. And I decided that what I require to do is start doing a group coaching slash self-leadership educational three-month intensive, which I'll be launching in the next two weeks. I'm only going to take 20 people. Um, and that 20 people limit, if more want to join, I'm, I'm happy to consider it. I'll just start a new group. But I'm only doing 20 people in a class. Because if I do more than 20, I can't, I can't do the individual work that I want to be able to do. And that will be um, deep personal work as a group and then the educational work as well. We're going to do it once a week for two hours every week for three months. Nice. Um, the next in that's going to lead into a, a trauma memory resolution certification so people can learn how to self-facilitate themselves. They can learn how to facilitate other people in this core technique that needs to get out there in the biggest possible way because once it's out there people can learn how to like literally 
neutralize the emotional, unhealed emotional states of their past. Compounded memories to big events. That's the next step. The third step is to go into an HNLP coach certification, which I'm going to train everything that I do with my coaching clients in one-on-one sessions and train people how to create resolution at the subconscious level. From there, I'm going to do a certification on how to go into organizations and be a consultant teaching the deep dive to self-leadership and organizational change work. So that is my long-term vision. And then after that, we go into a mastermind. And uh, for people who want to continue, then we go into a year-long mastermind. I love it. That's fantastic. All right, Gary, we end every episode with our guests sharing their words of wisdom to our entrepreneurial audience. So Gary, what would Gary's words of wisdom be to those entrepreneurs listening? I would say it doesn't happen to you. It happens from you. Watch your words and your thoughts with care. Let it spring for concern for all living things. Because as you think and as you speak, so you become. You make stronger whatever it is you are focused upon. And your language is the birthplace of what you create next. So speak what you're choosing to create more of and ignore the story of your past. Gary, thank you so much. That's fantastic. What a great conversation. I've loved every second of it. And so I, I as well, you need to great be, value. We need to be friends, Robert, because we are we are officially friends now. We are officially friends now. But no, I want to thank you so much. I rarely have the pleasure of meeting someone who who is out there doing what I know needs to be done. So I honor and I respect you. And from Avatar, I see you, buddy. This episode is brought to you by intentional decisions that lead to massive success. No, those aren't companies promoting our show. They're qualities that you need to build your business and take control of your life. So to help you out, I'm offering my most popular worksheets to help you plan the future you want and audit your calendar today. The best way to get what you want is to know what it is and start making sure that your calendar matches. You can download them free today at addvaluemindset.com. If you will take action by just completing these two activities, they will change your life and business. I promise you a new level of results in the coming year. The problem is that we make things so complicated and we lose focus on what is really important. These tools will help you refocus on what matters most. When you align your passion with your purpose in your work, you can be happier and start doing the things you wanted to in the first place, like spending more quality time with the kids. To get your free copy of the tools to start tackling your busy schedule, go to addvaluemindset.com. If you enjoy the show, please like, subscribe, leave a review. But most importantly, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone who needs to hear it. Share, share, share. In our next episode, Robert Noel learned from Emily and Melissa, two women who are trying to elevate young women to the possibility of professional sports. Emily Thomas and Melissa Nelson are the entrepreneurs making the Sioux Falls City Football Club happen, a pre-professional soccer team creating opportunities for women's soccer in South Dakota.